I invite you to stand as you feel able to recognise all who have died or suffered through warfare. Good morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to this, our special Remembrance Sunday service here at Essex Church, where this community, known as Kensington Unitarians, meets each Sunday for worship. As Unitarians, we do not have just one message to proclaim on a day like this. Some people here are pacifists and view war as a crime against our very humanity. Some people may consider war a sometimes terrible necessity. Your lives, each and every one of you, just like the lives of all other human beings, will have been touched by war in different ways because war is an uncomfortable reality for us all.
To face the world's shadows, a chalice of light. To face the world's coldness, a chalice of warmth. To face the world's terrors, a chalice of courage. To face the world's turmoil, a chalice of peace. May its glow fill our spirits, our hearts and our lives. So may this living flame, symbol of our worldwide progressive religious faith, may it burn brightly today to commemorate all those whose lives have been taken or blighted by warfare the world over, not least of whom are the civilians, as well as those who fight and are wounded or killed in wars, let us remember the old, the young, the women, and all those who are caught up in warfare, not as participants, but as shocked and frightened bystanders. May this, our sacred flame, burn brightly today as we remember and reflect. Some of, some of you will know that here at Essex Church, we're following monthly themes, and our theme for November is the unknown. So on this Remembrance Sunday and, and in this year 2017, when we're reminded of the 100th anniversary of the First World War, and particularly this autumn, the Battle of Pashandala, also known as the Third Battle of Ypres. You don't need me probably to remind you how truly dreadful, unbelievably dreadful, those battles fought between 1914 and 1918 were. It's from that war, fought so often in thick, thick mud, that we have our poppies of remembrance. They say that over 600,000 people died in that three-month battle. The grave of the unknown warrior, you might know, lies in Westminster Abbey alongside the graves of royalty, the famously named and the known. The grave contains the body of an unknown soldier who died fighting in that First World War. Soil was brought from the French battlefields to fill the grave and a, a slab of Belgian marble is engraved with its inscription. I expect some of you have visited the war graves in northern uh, Belgium and, and France. And, and you'll perhaps remember the feelings you had when you looked out at the stretching rows of identical memorial stones. It is a very shocking sight. But there is something right and proper, I think, in having identical headstones. And that decision was made after considerable debate because you can imagine that those who had money wealth and power might have wanted their dead to be remembered with particularly big memorials but no the headstones are identical and of course well death does not care about rank or wealth or identity does it at all and perhaps one day next to every tomb of an unknown warrior because there are many around our world there will also be placed another tomb containing another body of an unknown and unnamed victim of war. A tomb for an unknown civilian to remind humanity that when wars are fought, it affects everyone in one way or another. And the effects of war 
carry on through the generations, lest we forget. So would you join me now in a time of prayer and reflection? As I call on the spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together here this day. As we in Britain mark the start of Interfaith Week, let us dedicate ourselves this day to the shared tasks of our society, making connections between different groups, healing divisions, working harmoniously to resolve social issues born of poverty, of ignorance and injustice. As Unitarians, we can celebrate all that connects our world faiths, the fundamental shared values that unite all people of goodwill. We can celebrate the distinctive features of each faith and be enriched by their unique qualities. And we can work tirelessly and with respectful curiosity to increase opportunities for dialogue and to deepen understanding. And so I invite you now, if you wish, to take a moment to think of groups or individuals who we find difficult to accept, difficult to love. Can we do more to remain open-hearted towards those who are different from us? Let's take a moment now, if we so choose, to think of individuals or groups for whom we are concerned be they people close to us or people whose lives we hear of in the news. Is there some action, however small, that we could take this day to ease some suffering? And if not, can we remain an open-hearted and loving witness to the struggles of others? On this Remembrance Sunday, as we remember all those affected by warfare, may we both as individuals and as a community commit ourselves to the task of living our lives for the peace and well-being of our society, of our wider global community, and of the planet that is our home. May our lives and the living of them express our faith and our values this day and all days. Amen.
I, um, I know I'm not the only one here concerned uh, by what seems to be a rise of nationalism here in Europe and farther afield. We don't have to look far back in history, do we, to find the terrible consequences that can stem from an unfettered loyalty to one's own group, from ideas that one nation or race is superior to another. And yet we know that pride in a group identity can be incredibly warming and worthwhile. It could be seen as an essential for human survival. I think one of the challenges of our time is to live within paradox, with facing contradictory realities, learning to contain the discomfort that uncertainty and confusion bring us. So I've chosen a hymn that will be controversial to some of us, even though it will be sung in so many parish churches across Britain this morning. I vow to thee, my country. And perhaps as we sing, or if you choose not to sing, we might perhaps feel the many contradictions in our human nature. We might feel both pride and shame in relation to our national identities. Um, if it's on this yellow sheet uh, for most of you, and a reminder that anybody ever wants a large print um, hymn sheet, we do uh, have those every uh, week. Um, at the end of the second verse, there's a line that's taken from the book of Proverbs in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Christian Old Testament. Her ways, her ways are pleasant ways, and her is wisdom. Wisdom's ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. May wisdom guide humanity in ways to transcend nationalism in search of more peaceful coexistence the world over. Let's sing together. I vow to thee, my country.
Stanley Rothwell was born in Wigan in Lancashire and he moved to London in 1928. He began his working life as a labourer and then he took up bodybuilding. He became a model for fitness magazines and sculptors sought him out eagerly. He worked as a fitness instructor but unable to fight in World War II because of a hearing disability, he joined the British Civil Defence Light Rescue, in addition to training fighter pilots in physical fitness. He worked as a visual artist throughout his life, and the poem uh, that you're about to hear was the fruit of his writings during the 1940s, collected under the title of Lambeth at War. For whose sin this sacrifice kindly nature covers with her cloak? The game was played with loaded dice and the blood of youth goes up in smoke. Here, couched in the earth, hidden from prying eyes, lies the lesson of selfishness and nature shamed hides the scars and heals the wounds of stupidity and war. The bones of men are scattered thus, this sacrifice made for us. So let us heed to nature's laws, repent these sins and mend the flaws. Let not this happen ever again. For great is the loss, and naught the gain. Let virtue, reason, and tact temper life. Put aside all war and strife. Parsimony, greed, lust, and distrust hath laid the cream of youth to dust. For us then, who are left behind, let us not again be blind. Let's reason well and be more kind. Use amiable discussion and not the sword. Like this, then, let us serve our God. If sacrifice we would make, bend our backs with a will to create and use the spade, the hoe and rake.
it says on the um, the order of service address we could see peace instead of this and in truth I cannot claim to have really much idea of what I'm talking about on this particular subject when we advertised this service we asked the question are we humans in inevitably warlike I wonder how you'd answer that question yes no depends if you're anything like me, it depends on how I feel on any particular moment of any particular day and which bit of news I have been reading recently. Back in, back in 2011, I know that um, Harvard psychologist and thinker Steven Pinker wrote a controversial book claiming that we are far less barbaric and warlike in the 21st century than we've ever been as humans that there was no golden age of peaceful small societies in human history for us all to look back on longingly. I've got no way of checking his claim that violence is decreasing and altruism is increasing. His book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, A History of Violence and Humanity, I think is over a thousand pages long. I don't know if anybody here has read it, or maybe you did what I did, and that was to read a few reviews and then think, oh, I'm un as unclear on that particular subject as I was before, really. But, but then perhaps uncertainty and, and, and lack of clarity or lack of any one clear single answer, maybe that's a suitable response to something as complex and terrifying as warfare. It's a paradox of human existence, I think, that we all have to consider from time to time, be that as forced onlookers or participants or as innocent victims, as a philosophical and indeed a psychological concern. And in our current era, as war clouds seem to swirl across our planet in such worrying ways, and as posturing leaders threaten violent consequences if other leaders fail to see things the way they do, well, I think that we, whose lives are, I hope, yours are relatively peaceful, I think we're called to act as witnesses of the unfolding dramas of our world. And we may feel very powerless in the face of such dramas, and that is a scary place to be. There is a need, then, to find an inner resource within each of us that we're not whipped into fearful nationalist frenzies by our leaders or by those who wish to spread discord. I know that some of you know and use a practice from the Tibetan tradition known as Tonglen. Tonglen takes our natural human response which is to move away from all that is frightening, dangerous, and abhorrent. And Tonglen says, no, turn it around. Tonglen is a breathing practice that helps us to do the opposite, to move towards that which is difficult. I was really struck by what you said, um, Harold, about the young woman from the um, Freedom From Torture campaign, saying, how do we move towards in love? Um, with those we find difficult. 
How do we breathe in all suffering into our very being? And as we breathe out, allow it to be transformed from struggle into peace. That is the practice of Tonglen, and I really recommend, if it calls to you, to find out more about it. I've come to think that most human societies are by their very nature self-serving, self-protecting, with a tendency towards identity forming by exclusion of the other, the stranger, the outsider. I've come to think that it is within each and every human heart and mind that we can start to create peace and that it's here within each of us that we can see peace instead of war in our every reaction to something we find difficult or distasteful. Here is where we must pay continual attention because we are ourselves within our individual beings capable of both peace and war. In our thinking about those little tussles of human life, in our disagreements with people who view particular matters differently from us, in our ways of being with those closest to us. I stand here before you as somebody who had a little tussle with a dear old friend in the last two days about methods of washing up. How sad, how sad is that? And we were both really very committed to our particular positions on the washing up matter. And just to let you know, I was right. <laughs> she won't be listening to this. But with those we're closest to, do you know, maybe you don't do this, but I do think some of us have those tussles with those who are closest to us. We could see that as waging our own little wars, couldn't we? I'm right, you're wrong. Uh, what I, I think is that we also have the potential to create our own little oases of peace every time we choose to behave differently, every time we change a thought, every time we manage to zip our lips at the point where we're telling somebody about rinsing things or not. So let's choose to live our lives as we think human beings could and should live. Let's work through the paradoxes of our human nature. Let's choose to wage peace. So I'm going to close by reading a piece that you'll find on your yellow hymn sheet. It touched me years ago when I first found this. It's by somebody called Judith Hill. I don't actually know anything about her. But it's called Wage Peace With Your Breath. Wage peace with your breath. Breathe in firemen and rubble. Breathe out whole buildings and flocks of singing blackbirds. Breathe in terrorists. And breathe out sleeping children and freshly mown fields. Breathe in confusion. And breathe out maple trees. Breathe in the fallen and breathe out lifelong friendships intact. Wage peace with your listening. Hearing sirens, pray loud. Remember your tools, flower seeds, clothespins, clean rivers, make soup, play music, 
Memorize the words for thank you in three languages. Learn to knit and make a hat. Think of chaos as dancing raspberries. Imagine grief as the outbreath of beauty or the gesture of fish. Swim for the other side. Wage peace. Never has the world seemed so fresh and precious. Have a cup of tea and rejoice. Act as if armistice has already arrived. Celebrate today. And remember to breathe. Amen. Go in peace. Live simply at home in yourself. Be just in your word, just in your deeds. Remember the depth of your own compassion. Do not forget your power in the days of your powerlessness. Do not desire to be wealthier than your peers and never stint your hand of charity. Practice forbearance in all you do. Speak the truth or speak not. Take care of your body. Be good to it, for it is a good gift. Crave peace for all peoples in this world, beginning with yourselves. And go as you go with the dream of that peace, set firm in your heart. Amen. Go well and blessed be. Thank <laughs> you.